watching the Directing Animation Livecast, hosted by me, Scott Weiser. I've worked as either a director or animator on 30 projects, both short and feature length, and my favorite projects have been these books, which I wrote, illustrated, and pitched at several studios as feature films. Today we have a wonderful guest with us. It's Robert Kondo. Robert worked on Ratatouille and Coco at Pixar as a visual development artist. Then he left Pixar to co-direct with his friend Dice Tutsumi, the film The Dam Keeper. The Dam Keeper was nominated for an Oscar. It, it looked like you were going to develop it into a, a feature film, which ended up as these three books that are absolutely beautiful. Fully painted graphic novels. They're just, you know, they're, what was the, the review on it? It was like, uh, oh, I can't remember, it was like magic with light or something like that. <laughs> Alchemy, alchemy of light, <laughs> and and now you've transitioned you transitioned to becoming a producer, which is pretty awesome. And your your show Oni is that how you pronounce it? Yes, was just picked up by Netflix, which is awesome. I'm so excited to see that. Awesome. And and go ahead and say hi. Awesome, thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's been an honor. You and I have run into each other over the last few years. At CTN, and we always touch base there, and um, we're always really excited to see what you're up to. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's talk about that transition from director to producer, and how that's been. How is it different? How is it similar to being a director? And you can even throw in how it's different than than being an art director at, uh, at Pixar or whatnot. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I spent about 12 years at Pixar as an art director, um, and uh, Dice Tsutsumi was another art director there. He and I worked on several projects together, including Toy Story 3, Monsters <laughs> University, um, amongst some other things, Coco. And we had made this short film, The Dam Keeper, together, uh, but mm-hmm. we wrote it, directed it uh, together, along with an incredible team of producers, writers, or uh, producers and uh, editors and um animators. Uh, And so it was a really incredible experience that truly we did to just get a broader perspective on animation. You know, uh, you've worked in the industry. Uh It was a great experience. I think, uh, you know, we really did in in terms of trying to get a greater perspective on uh, the overall filmmaking process, including producing, including uh, promotion, um, some of the things that normally as a creative artist you don't get to see. Well, you probably Uh, had to kind of bridge the line between producer, director, producer, director for both of you, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we had two producers on that show. Oh, you did? Okay. That were incredible. And yeah. uh, I would not say they produced it. And um, but, yeah. but we got to see firsthand a lot of what that meant and what it looked like. And so we decided, based on that experience, to continue on that path of growth that had become, in truth, uh, addictive. And <laughs> Yes, I understand that. <laughs> uh, and we just felt like we uh, wanted to go out and strike out on our own. Um, Pixar is an amazing place that, you know, Ed Catmull and Steve Jobs and John Lasseter built uh, amongst many other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it felt like we wanted to go and start our own place, uh, strike out our own and take sort of a level of accountability for what we were putting out into the world. Yeah. Uh, so we started Tonko House, a studio. And, you know, we directed several projects together. Um, but more recently, uh, you know, I've stepped into sort of a CEO role at, at Tonko House. And uh, Dice is continuing to direct uh, his latest project, uh, as you talked about in the introduction, Oni, is yeah. uh, collaborating with Netflix. And 
Um, but you know, for me, uh, this role of producer is such an ambiguous term throughout Hollywood. I know, I know. <laughs> so, many, so many different ways. It covers a wide swath of responsibility. And, you know, largely for me, um, the way that I collaborate with Dice has, I would say that it's just evolved. It's not that we don't continue to collaborate on a creative level. We actually mm-hmm. do. And yeah. you know, on, on a show like Oni, my role executive producer and I don't know what all that means in the end I think that, uh, the way that I work is that I work very closely with the producer of Oni to take a look at the overall project and how things are moving forward and again it's not like I'm not doing uh, a whole lot of the lifting day to day we have a producer on that's doing that um, well that's because you have multiple projects right that you're yeah. executive producing yeah right we have multiple projects and so uh, you know, largely what I do is I just continue to work with Dice. You know, it's like when he's sort of the differences, I think, that he's directing and uh, show running. And uh, so he makes the calls in the end. Yeah. Um, which is great for me because <laughs> uh, into the project, it really is to take a look at what he's doing, give him my take and sort of give him ideas or collaborate with him on that level to which is helpful. But at the end of the day, it's sort of all his to decide what's really useful and not. And he's not just doing that with me, but with multiple different people. So, you know, as a producer, um, it's it's been a bit of a shift, but I think overall, uh, I really do feel like um, it's sort of an evolution. I'm working with, you know, several of our artists here in that capacity and uh, overseeing some of our, you know, we do a lot of work from books to exhibitions. Uh, we're doing some web series stuff. We're doing um, several series uh, of, the, of the of the kind of development scope as Oni, and um, we are continually working on the Dan Keeper feature. Um, so we have quite a bit going on in house. On top of you know we ran a film festival last year um, in Japan for the first time, and all our first exhibition career. Um, so there, there's all these different things that are going on that uh, you know I really love kind of being a part of all of that and there's a little bit of a shift in terms of level of creative accountability I would say, on the day-to-day my ability to really be uh in there but um our creatives here are so collaborative that uh i don't feel like i'm missing out because um, i continue to write on my own yeah um and still things on my own absolutely. <laughs> very nice uh, but it's not it's it, right now it's not my responsibility right now to be helming an entire project creatively yeah uh, yeah i don't i don't know if you've ever read the book two guys named joe about oh, joe rampton and joe grant right. uh-huh. yeah that came to mind as i was listening to you it seems kind of like you're playing kind of a joe grant type of role where you can give creative ideas in several different locations but at the same time you're you're taking a different type of role. I I read that book and I thought his job was my dream job. <laughs> Just to walk around and and yeah. put little bits in, you know, yeah. like and help projects and make them better. Yeah. Uh, now that I've worked more, I've I've actually realized that I I'd like to pull back a little bit more and actually I would like to helm a, at least a couple projects myself. So yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. And you know, I think like my creative project is the company. Oh yeah. And it is a creative project, I'm sure. It's it's sort of like, uh, you know, the vision of the company. And we all contribute. We have several partners that are incredible. um, Mm -hmm. And we all sort of contribute. But my my responsibility is sort of the vision moving through on the day-to-day, throughout our projects, throughout our people, and the culture of the company. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit different. And again, like it's not a hundred percent that for instance, a lot of people ask about Dyson, my relationship and how it's evolved. 
it's I can never anything I do overall involves dice. Anything dice does on some level involves me. Yeah. So we've just sort of evolved uh, and grown in a way is the way I see it as far as um, the maturity of our collaboration and, and clarity as to what's best on, on moving forward. Because a lot of, I think, the evolution from directing to producing, you know, uh, collaborating on a company level is more of an evolution of relationships than it is sort of the titles don't carry the complete weight of the shift, I, I would say. Yeah. And that makes sense. So at the same time, it does have a similarity. Our last interview was with Brenda Gilbert, who's a producer, and everything she talked about was relationships, 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 having empathy with your employees, figuring out how to make different creative dynamics work. And it seems like that is what you do. Yeah, that's definitely a big You're part. figuring out the team dynamic and the mm-hmm. and how to make sure Dice has everything he needs to succeed as a director and and your other directors as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> awesome. And I I wanted to say also that I was really glad that you you did step away from Pixar. I know you loved it and it was great. At the same time, the films that you make have such a unique feeling to them. And it's something that I think could have only happened through Tonko House. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to think so. You'd like to think so, yeah. The, the, uh, I, I would say that Pixar was an important part of education and mm-hmm. that... Everything I love about Tonko House, on some level, we took a page out of what we learned um, at Pixar or, you know, previously Dice was at Blue Sky and Lucas. um, And, uh, you know, it's kind of that collective experience that um, really uh, helped us understand what what to appreciate about what a company can provide and what to appreciate about what to chase in creative. Um, You know, we have this process that I'm I'm sure we've mentioned before uh, in your presence, Scott, is this sort of Tonko House therapy. Um, The idea of Dice and I, when we sit down to create something together, it really does start with sort of this therapeutic moment of talking (laughs) about the things we're vulnerable about. You know, really discussing the things that we face as, uh, you know, at this point in our lives, questions that are unanswered. Out of those conversations come the projects like Oni um, Mm. that uh, evolve into fantastic worlds and characters. And uh, but but at its core is sort of a human story that very much we relate to. And that, I would say, is a direct page out of our favorite films that we saw being made at Pixar while we were there. Ah, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Pixar is still like an incredible, incredible um, part of our existence. I think that yeah. uh, we're not very far. Awesome. So, yeah. And and kind of what you're along the lines of what you were talking about was it's 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 really interesting. And I'm sure it's it's difficult because you loved Pixar so much to talk about how things are different now. And who knows if they're necessarily better or if they're necessarily, uh, and it, it, there's never an indication that they were worse at Pixar or anything like that. And so I, yeah, yeah, of course yeah, not. It, it uh, seems like a I wonderful it's, environment. It's just different. You know, I, yeah. I, I think for where we are in our lives and what Dice and I are aspiring to do amongst our team here, you know, we really do have a team of sort of, uh, risk takers, you know, people who, um, are taking a risk by joining us and, 
seeking out sort of a personal journey and in alignment with where Tonko House is and what we're trying to do. But, uh, you know, I, I think that overall Pixar really does, you know, they have incredible resources. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody, yeah. you know, every crevice of that place is filled with talent um, yeah. and you know, talent on a world scale. And all of that is incredible and amazing. But I think at the end of the day, that also, you know, for me in particular, I think, there's a certain comfort level there that sometimes in a situation like that, when you're surrounded with such incredible people and smart people and, and incredible resources and budgets that really are very uh, healthy in comparison to the <laughs> um, yep. it, 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 it can create a space where you, you no longer have a level of accountability um, for either the success of something or the failure of something. And I think in many ways, the deep dive that we took was a big jump into this level of accountability, but not just the accountability for the creative that we make, but actually the message that we're putting out there, how we're conducting ourselves, um, how we run a company and who we are as people. Um, yeah. And that came to the forefront so quick, so much faster than um, I think many people imagine. Um, Pixar has built an incredible platform for artists to collaborate and it's still one of my favorite places and uh, some place that I, you know, a place that I, I think about often and um, it does feel like, you know, uh, that we're always cheering for them and looking for them to lead uh, the big studios in a way towards risk-taking and uh, sincerity and I, I, yeah. I think that they continue to do that um, which is exciting to me and, and great great to have as a neighbor and, and, and an ally and friend to yeah. uh, the student. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you and I both know that when you're on your own like this and you're more independent, those risks have a lot more, you feel a lot more of the growing pains. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that overall it's impossible to, the hardest things to face are the things that you can't see actually. So yes, I feel like the exercise becomes different. Whereas, you know, I think what's great about working in a place like Pixar is that, uh, there are things like that, but the scale of it and the impact of it is so much bigger. Like, you know, simple things like when we started the company, I mean, even now our internet speed, you know, it's <laughs> the most, one of the fastest internet speeds in the Bay area. But, um, the, you know, our, our internet took several customer calls to, you know, our provider and uh, <laughs> Dex and I doing all of that. And um, yeah. it's just, uh, the accountability there again is different. It's what we asked <laughs> for, but it's not how we imagined we'd be spending. So oh, much. I, I know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, That's I, awesome. You know, it's not like it's all part of it. It's all, you know, so humbling. And if anything, it made me appreciate all of the incredible things that um, big studios have. Yeah. Because it's not cheap or easy either. No, no, it's not cheap or easy for them. In fact, it ends up costing them a lot more, it seems, to be able to keep the machine running. And, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a different topic, but it's, it's actually a good segue. At CTNX last year was one your your panel was so inspiring to me, oh, and nice. one of the reasons is because I was spending so much time in client work, and trying to balance client work with the original content, and then I get into your your panel and you you talked about how you were taking all the client work as much as you love it, and you were putting it away and you were or giving it away I guess, and you were then going to push forward just original work this year, 
And I would love to hear about how that was possible. It's something I would like to do as a next step, as much as I love my clients. <laughs> I mean, they are so awesome, and I learned so much working with them. At the same time, there's all these stories that I need to tell. And uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, overall, our studio is really only possible from a greater community that exists beyond our walls. The support that we've had from the get-go from when we left and the story, I think, of leaving Pixar has resonated with a lot of artists. And um, I also think that you know that community uh, has been incredible in supporting us. And I, I think that many of the clients that we've worked with uh, oftentimes see us in that way. And the collaboration is uh, really to support not just ourselves, but other small studios like ourselves. And, um, you know, last year was really uh, an incredible year where, uh, you know, we took on an incredible amount of service work, the most that we've ever taken on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was just that time in the, the history of the studio in which we started to see a certain path that was about survival. And that part of it is a real struggle. And, and I, I always feel like you really know who your friends are and uh, the quality of people. You know, it's like when, when you're at the bar and everyone's, you know, drinks are free and everyone's having a great time, everyone's friends. Um, yeah. But when you get into the back alley and, you know, something, something questionable goes down, someone gets mugged, you see real quick who, um, who kind of stands by you and who sort of runs off. You know, yeah, you really start to see some of those qualities, and I, I think that in the same way for us, not so much about friendship, but just in in terms of forging our internal relationships, our relationship with our ex external partners, we had hit a point where we were really uh, trying to figure out our own identity. Um, who are we? Why did we do this? And it's weird because I think like. We started the company really focused on, well, why are we doing this? There's two of us. Why are we even stepping on our own when we have uh, incredible jobs and, uh, you know, can live a very healthy lifestyle? And why, why kind of take the risk? And, you know, back then we were so idealistic. We were like, well, because we have a story to tell, we want to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, at, at, at that point last year, we were about four years old and, um, it was just that point of like, we've taken on a group of people. We have levels of responsibility we always wanted, but didn't quite understand. And uh, so we took all the service work and a lot of it was great work and we learned a lot from it. But at the same time too, we, it was sort of at the sacrifice of continuing to tell our own stories. Yeah. Uh, so in a way, what we did is we, you know, we did get, we did stop quite a bit of service work, but we still are actually doing service work with kind of meaningful service work with some of our sister, uh, one of our, I call them our sister studios, but yeah. studios. Um, oh, nice. Incredible friends of ours. And yeah. they're incredible artists and writers and creators that we really believe in. And so we've collaborated and working on one of their projects as an art department. Um, but beyond that, we have been focused on development and the way that, you know, we've been able to do that is actually by finding uh, partners who really we really align with who have invested in uh, into the company and kind of created a bit of stability for us so that we could focus on that. It's not like, you know, we took a big risk in terms of uh, this year developing quite a bit. And um, we've been very fortunate that those projects have been 
getting uh, great positive attention and, and forward momentum, much like Oni. Uh, but it, it has been through, you know, outside investment that uh, has really helped us. But the important thing, you know, from the start of Tonko House, we had quite a few, um, not quite a few, but, you know, there were people interested in, in investing in Tonko House. And we held off for a long time because, <laughs> uh, you know, while... Of course, uh, the financials and cash flow of a company is its lifeblood and important. Um, it wasn't the end-all be-all for us. And we didn't start Tonko House as sort of a profitable money-making adventure. Um, that wasn't the currency we were looking to deal in. Um, so finding an investment partner who really understands that is an important thing. And so we found incredible partners in a company called Mistletoe. Um, who largely invests in technical companies, but who have an overall sort of social consciousness and consciousness towards building and helping humanity. And they just have always been close to us and advised really tough times. And, um, and this just felt like a very natural relationship in, in that it wasn't just um, sort of the investment we were interested in it was actually the collaboration and their advisement and mm-hmm. it's their vision of tonko house that actually set the bar higher for us and mm. <laughs> allows us to be bigger not just through the money but actually in their vision for us so oh i love that uh, yeah you know we've been really <laughs> fortunate i can't say that you know i don't think that i wish i could say that was all the work that we had put in but in truth uh, you know like the relationship was built through two of our partners, um, Daisuke Miyake and uh, Daisuke Tsutsumi. And, um, you know, those two guys have an incredible network and and we just connected with the right people at the right time. And it's funny how much of the adventure of Tonko House has been sort of that good fortune, um, kind of at the right time. You know, you might say it's lucky, um, but it's also sort of, you know, we've been always trying to be conscious of the opportunity that we're looking for um, to be able to grow the company. And um, we've just been so, again, like that's where the community and the support has been so critical to our survival and success. Yeah. Well, thank you for being vulnerable, especially when it came to the, you talking about, you know, who your friends are. I really felt that one. (laughs) And, and I've, cause I've experienced it as well. And I also, uh, you know, your answer is actually not what I was expecting to hear <laughs> or not the kind of answer that I was, I was hoping to hear, but it is actually really encouraging uh, because I have similar things that have been developing over time as I've been in the entrepreneurial space and different relationships that have been developing. Uh, it helps me to kind of point to a few that actually, you know, are worth as much as I thought they were. And uh, I actually have, I do have one friend who he's helped me pitch to investors some of our projects. And the, the other day he told me he had created a shrine of my work at his house. So he's, he's purchased my books and stuff. And, and again, like, just like you were saying that created this high benchmark that suddenly I, I had so much more to live up to. And, uh, yeah, that, that really resonates. It's really cool that you've been able to find a partner like that, that can not only push you creatively, but also help with the financials and and help you achieve the the goals that you have yeah absolutely because you know I, i think that any sort of leadership role is really about kind of identifying your strengths and weaknesses and being able to balance those out through relationships that you build and uh and making it so that you know failure is is becomes less and less of an option in a way and i i i think that 
you know, it takes time to understand where your strengths and weaknesses are. And I yeah. think uh, that's what is really incredible about the community that we have is that uh, there's a vulnerability there in which, you know, you have to admit like, oh my gosh, I'm really not good at this. <laughs> yep. um, we need help. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, leadership, you know, our, one of our producers and uh, our head of uh, development and production, uh, Megan Bartell, she was the producer on Dam- one of the producers on Dam Keeper. Uh, you know, she would said this thing um, about leadership, that leadership is really all about asking for help. And I really, um, you know, knowing when and where and how to ask for help. And uh, I really do believe that. And I think that, you know, we've, in a way, as far as my growth, I think that's what, um, over the last five years, it's been learning more and more how and when and where to really ask for help. I've just been really fortunate to be surrounded by really great people who have been able to help. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so on a different topic, yeah, this is a, this is one of those big questions we mentioned before the live cast. So, yeah. what can a director and a producer and a company do to to make this industry a better place to work? Yeah, I, I think it's really simple. There are certain undeniable requirements to make content um, for our industry. And, and some of those things are, you, you could look at it as really, uh, you know, resources, people, machines, equipment, um, money, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, out of all those things, uh, they all play a sort of an important role. But um, I do believe in the development of people. Um, I, I, I think that when before I entered the animation industry um, professionally, when I was a student, you know, you read it, but you talked about Joe and Joe, and you talk about, uh, you know, in animation, there's the nine old men. Uh, you know, there's incredible legends and uh, that are out there in the industry, like Tony Fucilli and uh, Glenn Keane, and um, just really powerhouses in animation. And my impression of animation was always that it was going to be almost like an apprenticeship, you know, like, like in the old, I don't know, when I say old days, I don't know what time frame I'm referring to, but it's like, if you were going to you know, take on the family trade and you were going to put together shoes, you would learn step by step, every, every element of what it meant to make shoes from, uh, from being a, an apprentice and learning a trade. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always thought animation, um, was going to be like that. And, I, I don't, you know, I, I think the best moments for me have very much been like that. And I think that, uh, but I don't think it was quite what I pictured and it wasn't quite the entirety of necessarily what I needed either. And, I can completely relate to that. Yeah. yeah. There were, there were certain times that I was like, if you would just take a chance here, <laughs> just bring yeah. me in, you will see how hard I'm going to work and how, you know, and I, and I've heard that from several other artists. So that really resonates. Yeah. I, I think also there was a bit of naivete with that, of thinking that someone will come and show me the ropes. Right. right? Like yeah. This kind of trade and and understanding of what it takes to tell a story visually will sort of naturally that will be provided and this is the way animation in the industry will work um yeah and i don't think that's the way life works right no it's sort of like uh, (laughs) you've got to take a little bit of risk and uh you've got to have a vision i mean have an idea of what you know for yourself for other people have an idea and uh and, and truthfully, put that idea out there so that people can either rally behind it or, in truth, not even pay attention to it. And yeah. um, I think that 
for me, the contribution I, I, I hope that people, directors and producers continue to make in the industry is a consciousness in both ways. One, kind of the mentorship that, you know, experience can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our studio overall really believes in education. We build education programs through our films with San Francisco Film Society around the Dam Keeper. We build education programs um, coming up with, uh, you know, in our Korean ex- exhibition, we have art programs. We've worked with partners like Schoolism um, to try to pass on some of the, you know, little bit of information Dyson and I have collected over our time in the industry as far as uh, the craft of painting. And Oh, and I didn't even mention that course. That course is amazing. Oh, I took that class. Thorough notes. <laughs> it's a brilliant way to, to teach painting. It's Oh, thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we really do believe in education. We, we often, as much as we can, take on interns at Tonko House. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, too, I think, uh, you know, for directors and producers to always be in a moment of understanding the power they have as far as their ability to inspire. Oh, yeah. On the flip side, I think always to remember that we're all just students um, who, you know, are all sort of on a shared path where the more we share, the more transparent we are, the more as an industry we will grow and influence not just our industry, but, you know, hopefully the entirety of, and this sounds very lofty, Scott, so forgive me, but the world, you know, I I think that animation is a a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah. Um, Film is a powerful tool. And, uh, you know, I, I think in this sort of partisan world, you know, one thing I can say is stories are something that truly can bring people together. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just have always loved the film and theater uh, because if you ever really set out loud the idea of what a theater is, you know, strangers who don't know each other from different walks of life voluntarily, as a matter of fact, spending money to go sit next to strangers and turn the lights off to be able to have one shared experience of watching a story and characters that they can empathize with, to go on a journey, to gain perspective that they may not have uh, prior to that is still something I, I think is magical and something that I still really think when it comes from an honest and sincere place in terms of how we work, why we work, and what to achieve, and what we hope to share. When there's a consistency there, I think that genuinely there's an opportunity to to affect greater greater uh groups of outside of our industry and i think that ultimately drives our industry that's awesome sorry for my smile my poster in the background just fell over (laughs) i i think it's interesting that you pointed out that that's lofty to say that you want to change the world and you know i i completely that completely resonates with me and I, i think that I don't. I don't think that my my stories are going to stop World War, whatever, right? But perhaps they'll they'll inspire somebody who might be a soldier in that war to act better, or perhaps it might inspire somebody to make better decisions for their family and how they can have better relationships with other people. And I think that the more stories we tell of that sort, the more we have ability to impact. And so I. Even if you might not change every single person, every you know, all the billions of people in the entire world, if you change, you know, if you help fifty, if you help ten, if you help one, that's that's quite an achievement. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you've had had this experience. That it's cool when you put content out there where somebody comes to you and they tell you what a big difference their content made for you, and you see that it made a genuine impact. That's that's quite a reward. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, the honest sort of feeling of sharing content for us at Tonko House is really a trying to start a conversation. I, I, I think that, um, you know, a film like The Dam Keeper, I think it's trying its best to try to start a conversation. I, I, I don't think it's sort of a film that provides answers to a whole lot of things, but right. you know, it, does, it does sort of kind of point to, you know, bullying. It does point to environmental mm-hmm. situations, but I don't think it's trying to solve it in many ways. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, at the studio, one of the big missions we have, one of our, our mission overall is to really inspire curiosity. And um, I think that's the part of, you know, this sort of world that we live in that, that I hope that, you know, we could just be a little more curious. I think that, that will help to sort of, I, I do hope that our, our, I actually would not be doing this if I did not think that on some level, I believed we could affect the world, you know, not just a small group of people, but that, you know, all of us have the ability to kind of change things. And I think the big thing is really trying to find a way to inspire a level of curiosity where, uh, in truth, people are able to ask questions when they're trying to assert their view. I agree. (laughs) Well, there's some stories out there. So we're already into our last segment, (laughs) the Get Wiser moment. You you segued into it naturally because obviously you do think that a filmmaker does have a moral responsibility to the the culture of the world, which is the last question I ask. What is it, if there is any responsibility that a filmmaker has? And yeah, I'm totally there with you. We, We absolutely do have a responsibility. And films like The Dam Keeper get a conversation started. Uh, but there are films out there that perhaps are more like propaganda. So they're like, I'm going to prove my point. And the whole story, you know, they're proving their point. And sometimes, you know, those, they, they feel like propaganda. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we, we really strive to try to balance entertainment and awareness. I think mm-hmm. entertainment, you know, we've all watched those films. I think that they're like a roller coaster ride. You yeah. Know, you know, popcorn flick that, you know, again, has its place in the world and, and uh, is very important. And, uh, you know, we watch that. You go in for two hours, you come out, you forget about the film. But That's right. Yeah. On the flip side, you know, I think we do care about awareness, but, you know, there's a lot of public service announcements out there that you've watched that you're like, yeah, I know this is important for me to watch, but I don't care. And, yeah. Um, so I, I think if we can find ways to, you know, at Taco House, we're trying to find ways to kind of balance those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, I think it's always a filmmaker's job to entertain, captivate yeah. their audience. Absolutely. It's an opportunity to raise awareness. And again, I don't think that's about saying right from wrong. I think it's just raising awareness um, for the yeah. world um, that, that, you know, we're all sharing in a way. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, <clears throat> there's hardly anything as entertaining to me. Personally, I might be a weirdo, but <laughs> there's there's hardly anything as entertaining as meeting somebody and actually really get to, getting to know them, asking them really good questions and really understanding their view of the world and and how it's different than mine and how it's similar to mine and you know and all that stuff. And I think when films do that, they they do a really good job. They're searching for the truth, and I, I think that's the best kind of film is the film that's and a story that's searching for the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me see if I have anything anything else to ask you. So, okay, here's, here's some good. Uh, this is a little selfish, so all my viewers can tune out. But <laughs> if you were in my position, 
what would you do next on your role to becoming a filmmaker, like a feature filmmaker? Because I've done shorts, but um, you know, I don't. I don't think this is. I, I don't necessarily have advice for like per se your unique position given that Scott I mean I know I've been following what you're up to but I don't know you know kind of the nuance of where you are I will say that there's a little bit of things that have helped me along the way um, both Dice and I talk about this story um, I think it's a Mal- it was in a Malcolm Gladwell book um, but there's a story that is about um, a ceramics class and the ceramics- oh yes yeah, I know this one, but please tell it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, the ceramics class is sort of divided into two sides, mm-hmm. um, two ways to get an A. One is really, uh, hey, you can make, you don't have to make a lot of pots. You, you just have to make one if you want, but try to make it the most beautiful, perfect pot you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So you can get an A that way. Or the other way, the other half of the class, it's all about quantity. So doesn't matter, good or bad, does not matter. Just make as many pots as possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's book, he talks about how actually quantity and quality actually sat with the same exact person. So the person who did the most, the highest quantity actually produced produced the highest quality pot. Yeah. Um, And I think, uh, I believe in that. I believe in the mileage and the relentless pursuit of sort of continuing on a path and with, Right when he's saying the best stuff, <laughs> he just he pauses. He'll be back. <laughs> I don't know where it cut out, but man, that was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. I know, I know, and we lost it. <laughs> I, I can't tell you though how many times a year I tell that story. I'm sure it's at least once every two months, if not once a month, where I tell that story because it's so encouraging to me. Because I know that just crank away, crank away, crank away it, and try these different ideas, and and I've seen it happen. Like they all continually get better. And my favorite one is the one that I'm working on currently. You know. And that's that's good news. And and I also find myself diving deeper. Yeah. And having these conversations, I had a really one of those vulnerable kinds of conversations yesterday with this lady who she writes people's histories. She helps them write their family history or their personal history. And it's amazing the insights that she can bring to my story when we have conversations. And and it gets really like a, it's not just about the story. It gets vulnerable for the two of us talking about it and how hard it is to. To know I, what our identity is, or or whatnot, and yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that that story. I actually heard that from Pete Doctor. I think. Oh, cool. It was in an animation mentor lecture that that he had given. So. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I think you know a lot of people have to just figure out what pots are they throwing. You know. Yeah. Like what, what is the thing? I, I think that's a constant question of. You know what part, as specific as you can be. I think like figuring out what that is and just going, 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 going. Um, is important um, overall. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. In other words, like you know, figure out what you want to do and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Will do. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Where Where can people find you? Where th- should they connect with you? I'm oh, sorry, Scott. Can you say that again? Where can people find you? Where can they? Where should they connect oh, with you? Yeah. You know, we have our Instagram on Tonko House. Um, and then, you know, Dice's Twitter. We also are on Twitter uh, and Facebook. Um, and a lot of our activities and things that are going on are, are sort of there uh, overall. And, 
you know, again, I think our, our community, the community around Taco House has been incredible, whether it's, you know, kind of our peers or people even from outside of our industry. So, yeah, yeah. follow us there, uh, Tonko House. Oh, and check out the Tonko cast. It's awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful yeah. show. So, and you know where to find me. It's down in the, the show notes and I'll put Robert's stuff down in the show notes as well. So until next time, enjoy. You've been watching the Directing Animation Livecast, hosted by Scott Weiser, produced by Lauren Shaken, copyright Scott Weiser, LLC, 2019.